0: Hey everybody, I um, decided to do a podcast today, I know it's been a while since I've talked to anybody here, I just have had such a really busy um, past two weeks, Um, as everybody knows I run an ice cream business, and you can imagine with school being out and the heat, it has been just insane, I mean it's just so busy, and it's a little harder to um, get to stuff like I wanted to, but... I'm, you know, excited for fall and winter coming eventually here because I know I'll have more time to do podcasts, but, um, I'm also, it's pretty neat being out and about and, you know, selling and interacting with people. It's been just a pretty busy, 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 busy time. Um, took today off. I, I just felt like I really needed it. And of course, as I was taking today off, I was like, Hey, I can do a podcast today and um hadn't realized how long it had been even since I had done one last until I got on yesterday and I was like oh boy it didn't it didn't even seem like that much time had passed so um you know please forgive me for this i'll just keep plugging away at it and like i said uh during the fall and winter months i'll be much more you know uh able to do these at least once a week maybe more um wanted to talk today about near death experiences i uh near-death experiences happen all the time. It's, it's, it's an ongoing flow of experiences that you see or read from people, um, get, you know, stories written to you about. And it actually is what brought me back to the Lord. I, I had had some time when I was real rebellious and, uh, fell away from God and was angry at him for years. And, it just, I heard the story, the heaven is for real testimony, and it just really flooded me and brought me back to the Lord. And so I've always been very fond of them. I think they're just incredible. Um, I feel that, you know, people are entitled to believe what they want. I choose to believe what the Bible says, the Holy Bible and Jesus, I believe, you know, pretty much, you know, what that says. And, I just can't seem to shake that. That That's just part of me. It's something that I feel is right. And we all have different feelings, you know. We just do. Some people just, they don't want accountability. They don't want to um feel like they owe anything, any, you know, any type of debt or whatever, you know, for the way they act. So they don't want to believe or choose not to believe stuff and then you know that's that's up to each and every one of us nothing is ever forced i don't think anybody should ever knock somebody for a religion unless it hurts somebody else i mean that's that's pretty much where i draw the line if if a religion or a belief system that you're engaging in or you believe in actually harms another human being or you know even animals and to some degree um I just feel that it's, that's where the line has to get drawn. But um, I think that's a lot of the reason why I'm comfortable. You know, I just feel that Christianity is, um, for me, it just feels kinder and it feels right to me. So that's why, you know, it, I just, that's what I believe. But I just, I feel that near-death experiences are so important in the testimony of Christianity Um, I've read places where people die and they see, in a sense, what they've believed in in their life, but for the most part, what I read is that most people see Jesus and they see heaven, and these are people that are Christians, you know, Muslims, um, atheists, you know, just Buddhists, so many people that die and they just. They encounter Jesus, and I think that's such a, I think that's why they happen. I think it's a way of having people come back and tell their story so it spreads the word of God, and we, you know, we get testified to, and many, many souls are saved. So I wanted to kind of concentrate a little bit on a few things, a few stories with that today, and um, there was a couple stories. I wanted to tell about Bigfoot, um, some encounters with one encounter with, well, what they believed was Bigfoot and the other one was a portal. So I'm going to read you this one, um, story that I thought was really great from Catherine. Uh, she says, I was crossing the road at a crossing, but the approaching car did not even slow down. The driver just didn't see me. All of a sudden my life left my body. I know this sounds strange, but in the blink of an eye, the whole of my past seemed compressed. Every memory rolled through my mind right back to when I was crawling around in a nappy, which is a diaper. The car swerved and screeched to a halt, and I returned to my body. Could never explain how a life, years and years of it, could be relived in a split second. So that was her. Uh, A near-death encounter. I thought that was really just incredible. There are other stories. There's personal narratives drawn from the historical record that furnish intensely vivid accounts of near-death experiences that can be as instructive as any dry clinical case report, if not more so. In 1791, for instance, British Admiral Sir Francis Beaufort after whom the Beaufort wind scale is named, almost drowned, an event, he recalled, in this fashion. He says, A calm feeling of the most perfect tranquility succeeded the most tumultuous sensation, nor was I in any bodily pain. On the contrary, my sensations were now of rather a pleasurable cast. Though the senses were thus deadened, not so the mind, its activity seemed to be invigorated in a ratio which defies all description, for thought rose after thought with a rapidity of succession that is not only indescribable, but probably inconceivable by anyone who has been himself in a similar situation. The course of these thoughts I can even now in a great measure retrace the event that had just taken place, thus traveling backwards, every incident of my past life seemed to me to glance across my recollection in retrograde procession, the way they talked. The whole period of my existence seemed to be a place before me in a kind of panoramic view. Another instance was recorded in 1900 when Scottish surgeon, Sir Alexander Ogston, discoverer of Staphylococcus, succumbed to a bout of typhoid fever. He described what happened this way. I lay, as it seemed, in a constant stupor, which excluded the existence of any hopes or fears. Mind and body seemed to be dual, and to some extent separate. I was conscious of the body as an inert, tumbled mass near a door, It belonged to me, but it was not I. I was conscious that my mental self used regularly to leave the body. I was then drawn rapidly back to it, joined it with disgust, and it became I, and was fed, spoken to, and cared for, and though I knew that death was hovering about, having no thought of religion nor dread of the end, and roamed on beneath the murky skies, apathetic and contented, until something again disturbed the body where it lay, when I was drawn back to it afresh. So he was literally going in and out of his body. That's, that's pretty crazy. More recently, British writer Susan Blackmore received a report from a woman from Cyprus who had an emergency gast- gastrectomy in 1991 she writes, on the fourth day following that operation, I went into shock and became unconscious for several hours. Although thought to be unconscious, I remembered for years afterward, the entire detailed conversation that passed between the surgeon and anesthetist, anesthesiologist, let's say that, present, I was laying above my own body, totally free of pain and looking down at my own self with compassion for the agony I could see on the face. I was floating peacefully. Then I was going elsewhere, floating towards a dark but not frightening curtain-like area. Then I felt total peace. Suddenly it all changed. I was slammed back into my body again, very much aware of the agony again. These are some stories. Um, There's another article I I ran into that I really loved. I wanted to read. It says, I crossed over. Survivors of near-death experiences share afterlife stories. For many, the question of what happens when we die is a mysterious one. But for others, the question has a clear answer. For many, the questions of what happens when we die... Is very mysterious. A today survey found that 55% of people are absolutely certain there is an afterlife, 37% are not certain, and 8% are certain there isn't an afterlife. But for some who have been through near death experiences, the question has a clear answer. Take public speaker Anita Murjani, who shared her story with Maria Shriver on Today. I believe that I died, yes, that I crossed over into the afterlife and back, said Morjani, adding that the afterlife is like being in a really unlimited space and time. There's an... I'm 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 sorry, I'm going to X that out there. Diagnosed with lymphoma in 2002, Morjani, who considers herself more spiritual than religious, was losing her cancer battle. "'withering down to just 85 pounds "'and battling tumors from the base of her skull to her abdomen. "'She slipped into a coma in February of 2006. "'She said that's when she died and crossed over to an afterlife. "'I felt as though I was above my body,' she said. "'It was like I had a 360-degree peripheral, peripheral vision "'of the whole area around, "'but not just in the room where my body was in,' but beyond the room. According to Morjani, the author of the new book, Dying to be Me, she was reunited in that state with her late father who told her to turn back. He said that, I've gone as far as I can, and if I go any farther, I won't be able to turn back, she said. But I felt I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain had gone All the discomfort had gone. All the fear was gone. I just felt so incredible. And I felt as though I was enveloped in this feeling of just love, unconditional love. Citing an incredible clarity where everything started to make sense, she said she decided to return to her body because she believed it would heal very, very quickly. And it did. Within four days, my tumor shrunk by 70%. And the doctors were shocked, she said. And I kept telling everyone that I know I'm going to be okay. I know it's not my time to die. Morjani isn't alone in connecting a crossover experience to healing. Diagnosed at age four with a chronic digestive disorder, eight-year-old Annabelle Beam experienced intense pain and frequent hospital visits. She was Always so sweet and gracious, her father Kevin told today. She wasn't making a big deal out of it, and she was suffering in silence. But the suffering started to overwhelm Annabelle. I told my mom, Mama, I want to die and go to heaven with Jesus where there is no more pain. I don't want to be in this much pain for the rest of my life, she said. And so I was so committed to just giving up that sometimes whenever I couldn't sleep, I'd kind of try and figure out... What would happen if I did die? Then I decided my mom would come with me. My dad would stay and watch my sisters. Annabelle's mother, Christy, refused to believe what she'd heard. I remember thinking that's not what she said, Christy recalled. She doesn't know anything about giving up. She's a fighter. Days later, Annabelle said she fell 30 feet from a tree branch that cracked while she was sitting on it with her sister, Abby. <clears throat> she claims that after bumping her head three times on the way down and falling into the hollowed out base of the tree. She died and went to heaven. It was really bright. And I sat on Jesus's lap and he told me whenever, whenever the firefighters get you out, there will be nothing wrong with you. Annabelle recalled. And I asked him if I could stay. And she said, and he said, no, I have plans You need to fulfill on earth that you cannot fulfill in heaven. A few days later, she told her family about her experience. She was very matter-of-fact, very. This is what happened, not at all animated. Just, here are the facts, Christy said. And then she stopped talking and looked out the window for the rest of the trip. Now symptom-free, Annabelle has gone from taking 10 daily medications to none. She fell 30 feet headfirst without any injuries or one bug bite, her mom said. She came out of what of that tree, hours later, wet, muddy, and with scratches, and she's well. The tree, which toppled due to weather, remains in the Beam family front yard, beside a cross Kevin carved after the accident. I'm glad that I didn't even try and cut it down, he said. I do think that this tree was actively involved in a miracle. His wife, who turned Annabelle's story into the book, Miracles from Heaven, which has now been turned into a major motion picture of the same name, agreed. It had a purpose, Christy said. It was a vessel. Annabelle, who continues to climb trees, feels fortunate. Most kids aren't ever healed, she said. And so anytime I see the tree, I'm so grateful and happy. This is, it's hard sometimes to, you know, hear stories where people are healed and so many others are just suffering so much, and they just never get healed, and and they keep praying, and they believe in the Lord, and they just, you know, the healing just never seems to come for them for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why that happens, but it just does. So just keep praying and, you know, hope that your healing will come. I mean, I go through that a lot with mine with my allergies, you know, every day I just feel like there's got to be something that'll help, you know, with my allergies and stuff. And it just seems like it keeps getting worse. And I'm not really sure why, but it just does. And the other thing too, that really gets me is that, you know, not gets me, but people go to heaven and they see God and he says, it's not their time. And he says that, you know, I have plans for you to go back to earth. And then they come back and you wonder what it is, like what, what it is that sends you back, you know, that makes it so God feels that you're so needed here, you know, that it feels like your life is so mundane or it's like the same old stuff. I mean, we get so caught up in life and work and stress and relationships and kids and, you know, sickness and all the stuff that we deal with. And, you have to wonder, you know, what was the reason God sent the person back? Is it, is it the test testimony? You know, is that why? Because they've seen him and like with Annabelle, did she come back because of that testimony, which in her case was wonderful. And, you know, sometimes I pray that that's a role that I can fulfill that, you know, maybe I can get to heaven and see Jesus and have something to just come back and tell you guys and tell everybody about to, you know, to get people. So they're, saved or that they believe in the Lord. And, you know, I just, that's really what I would love to have, just like a purpose. I think we all really need to find a purpose, you know. Um, Einstein was a big believer. Um, he believed in God, but he would, he would always say that he believed in the God of Spinoza. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, heard about Spinoza, but I will read it to you here so you know what Einstein was referring to. And when I think about God, I really think about this. I think about this is what I think we all really want God to be. I, I, I think that in our hearts we feel like, you know, how can God be a judge that sends anything to hell for all of eternity? You know, um, we have anger directed towards God. And there's so much we don't know. You know, there's so much that man has written and we don't really know what has been misspun. And then you wonder if, you know, do my beliefs, is that what, like when I die, am I led to what I believed? So in other words, we kind of manifest our own belief system and then that's what we follow when we die. You know, it it's just some of it, there's just so many questions that you have. I mean, you know, deep down I'm a I'm a Christian, but I still think, you know, I still sit and I theorize and I wonder and I, you know, feel like there's so much more that we don't know that we haven't been told or that man has, you know, constructed for his own purposes. And so it's just like you know what? What do? What is really going on? You know, and then you bring in the stuff with the Bigfoot and dogmen and all these entities, and it's just like wow. There's just it's too much. It's just too much. Baruch de Spinoza was a Dutch philosopher considered one of the three great rationalists of the seventeenth century philosophy, along with Rene Descartes in France and Gottfried. I'm just, just killing these names, Leibniz in Germany. Here's some of his wisdom. Now this is what Einstein believed in. This is what he believed God was. God would have said, stop praying and punching yourself in the chest. What I want you to do is go out into the world and enjoy your life. I want you to enjoy, sing, have fun, and enjoy everything I've made for you. Stop going to those dark, cold temples that you built yourself and say they are my house. My house is in the mountains, in the woods, rivers, lakes, beaches. That's where I live, and there I express my love for you. Stop blaming me for your miserable life. I never told you there was anything wrong with you or that you were a sinner or that your sexuality was a bad thing. Sex is a gift I gave. I have given you, and with which you can express your love, your ecstasy, your joy. So don't blame me for everything they made you believe. Stop reading alleged sacred scriptures that have nothing to do with me. If you can't read me in a sunrise, in a landscape, in the look of your friends, in your son's eyes, you will find me in no book. Trust me and stop asking me, would you tell me how to do my job? Stop being so scared of me. I do not judge you or criticize you nor get angry or seek to punish you. I am pure love. Stop asking for forgiveness. There's nothing to forgive. If I made you, I filled you with passions, limitations, pleasures, feelings, needs, inconsistencies, free will, and everything else that you have to your personality. How can I blame you if you respond to something I put in you? How can I punish you for being the way you are? If I'm the one who made you, do you think I could create a place to burn all my children who behave badly for the rest of eternity? What kind of God would do that? Forget any kind of commandments, any kind of laws. Those are wiles to manipulate you, to control you, that only create guilt in you. Respect your peers and don't do what you don't want for yourself. All I ask is that you pay attention in your life, that your consciousness is your guide. My beloved, this life is not a test, not a step, not a rehearsal, nor a prelude to paradise. This life is the only thing that exists here and now, and it is all you need. I have set you absolutely free, no prizes or punishments, no sins or virtues. No one carries a marker. No one keeps a record. You are absolutely free to create in your life heaven or hell. I could tell you if there's anything I couldn't. I'm sorry, I could tell you if there's anything after this life, but I won't. But I can give you a tip. Live as if there is nothing after, as if this is your only chance to enjoy, to love, to exist. So if there's nothing, then you will have enjoyed the opportunity I gave you. And if there is, rest assured that I won't ask if you behaved right or wrong. I'll ask, did you like it? Did you have fun? What did you enjoy the most? What did you learn Stop believing in me. Believing is assuming, guessing, imagining. I don't want you to believe in me. I want you to feel me in you. When you kiss your beloved, when you tuck in your little girl, when you caress your dog, when you bathe in the sea. Stop praising me. What kind of egomaniac God do you think I am? I'm bored being praised. I'm tired of being thanked. Feeling grateful? Prove it by taking care of yourself, your health, Your relationships, the world, express your joy. That's the way to praise me. Stop complicating things and repeating as a parakeet what you've been taught about me. The only thing for sure is that you are here, that you are alive, and that this world is full of wonders. What do you need more miracles for? Why so many explanations? Look for me outside. You won't find me. Find me inside. There I am beating within you. Spinoza. I love that. That's the kind of God I wish he was. I don't really want a God that sends people to, you know, a place to burn for all of eternity or makes us feel guilty for every, you know, human emotion or act or feeling or desire that we have, it it just, it sometimes it feels like everything that we want or think or feel is wrong. You know, that it's classified as a sin that everything about us is repulsive to God. And I think that's really sad. You know, I think that that's really sad and I'm not really so convinced and sure that what we've been taught is the absolute truth. I feel like there's much more that we don't know. There's much more about God that we don't know. And I hope so. I really hope that that is the case because I really want God to be not just our father, but our friend. And I, you know, just don't see a friend in that kind of a, of a being. And it just, it scares me a little bit. Now I have two stories. Um, These are short, but I wanted to talk about these two stories. I was um, doing some research this week and I ran upon ran across these stories, and they were pretty wild. There was um, a man, he was a father back in the 1930s. He was riding his motorcycle. I think it was 1939 with his, um, he had his daughter on the motorcycle with him. And he, for some reason, this, this pair of hands came out of thin air. And these hands weren't just hands. It was like hands and the forearms and they were covered in hair. And they literally just came out of thin air. And it caused him to start to wreck his motorcycle. And he told his daughter to jump off. And she did really quick. And he wrecked it. And he died. In the same area, there were several other people that had seen uh, just these hands that just appeared out of nowhere that were covered in hair. Just the hands. There was no body. And these people ran. They, they fled the area got away, they never harmed, they never actually harmed anybody physically outside of the father that had passed away. Um, So this was something that really struck me this week because of the the situation with the missing people again in the portals that I feel are, you know, either opening up or they're just there or we're being almost like tracked, like we're, you know, we're, we're in an area where an entity is there and we just happen, they happen across us. And then they open a portal and they just reach through and they take us. Because I truly believe that that's part of this, if not, you know, I mean, not all of it, but definitely part of it. And in this case, this was interesting because it was like, you know, the portal opened up and the hands just reached through and they were trying to grab people. They were like chasing people around, trying to grab them, but they couldn't get them. And because they saw the hands, it wasn't like, you know, this portal opened up and they were staying invisible through this, you know, other dimension. I mean, the hands were showing up and, you know, these people were seeing it, so they were able to escape it. But it's, it's just, you know, when you kind of tie all this stuff together, it, it it's just another facet of this that it's just, it's like David Polites always says, you know, the, the more you learn, the, the less you know. And that's really how it feels with this. There was another case where a man went uh, camping with his wife. They had, had they had bought a camper and planned a vacation, and they had done some hiking and stuff along the way, and she was resting back in the camper and he decided he wanted to go take a really quick walk. It was about ten minutes away up this mountain and it it wasn't very far. it was it was something it was a pretty short, pretty well known hike. And he walked up to this area and she stayed back. He ran into some people while he was there and he conversed with them and he was never seen from again. Nobody ever saw him. She waited and waited for him to get home and he didn't come, didn't come. She started to worry. She waited a little bit longer. She finally walked up to the spot. There was no sign of him anywhere. She went back to the camper and I think she drove to a a payphone at that point where it was, I think it was in the seventies. Um, And she called the, uh, you know, the forest rangers. They put on a search. Nobody could find anything. They searched everything. I mean, they covered this area, area thoroughly. And there was one lady that she was a really avid hiker, and she had heard about the story about this man just disappearing, and there's no sign of him. And she decided to walk the same trail that he walked by herself which I think is absolutely crazy. I think any of us would agree that that's, you know, pretty nuts. Um, so she did walk it, and as she was walking, she heard a man say, I need some help. She couldn't find him. There was nothing. There was nobody. She just heard this voice come out of nowhere. And so she finally, she looked everywhere she could look, went back, notified the forest rangers, they she said they almost seemed relieved because they said the day before they both had been out and they heard somebody calling for help saying he needed help and they couldn't find him they couldn't find him anywhere 7 years later the man's body was found at the it was at the very base of a canyon it was like 7 miles away and it was him they identified him through his id and the clothing and stuff he had on. But there again is another story. I mean, when you hear something like that, what do you think of? The first thing that comes to your mind is a portal. He walked through a portal, and he couldn't get back. He didn't know how to get back. So there's other dimensions in some of these cases where people are disappearing. they are dimensions that they're walking into and then it's like the door closes and they can't get back. It's, it's just nuts. I, I don't know. I just, there's just so much we don't know and so much we need to find out. We need to investigate. We need to just keep comparing stories, guys. And send me some stories. If anybody has anything that they want to uh, send me, please do. Send it to In the Dark. 2021 at gmail.com. And I would love to read them on the show. That's it for this week. I will try to be on next week again. If I don't get too busy here selling ice cream, it's getting hotter and hotter out. Hopefully it stays in the eighties and it doesn't get too high up there. Once it gets into the nineties, I feel like I'm going to (laughs) die, but I just need some more air conditioning. I, I have it in the truck. I just need to get another unit in there. I think, and you know, maybe survive it. It's just hard to do things with the, um, the window open a lot. We get stopped so much that we can't really keep the windows closed. So that's why we get so hot, but it's, it's, it we're still, we're having some fun. So you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Hope your weekend goes well. Stay safe and God bless you all. Take care.